A step in the right direction. I don't think there's much more that can be said outside of that. Regarding the Virginia Cavaliers' 77-53, predictable, you might add, demolition of ACC cellar dweller or dormant program, one that's got a lot of potential but is just in an awful spot right now, the Louisville Cardinals. Look, for Virginia, that's what it was last night. They've struggled on the road this year. They've got two straight road games coming up this Saturday at NC State and then next Saturday, a game I'll be covering actually, at Wake Forest. And that's going to give you a better idea of this Virginia team than playing a Louisville Cardinals squad that uh, has been taking on water basically seemingly from the moment Kenny Payne took over and now this year a 5-8 and eight record and 0-2 in the ACC. The dreaded Tuesday ACC tournament game team the Louisville Cardinals happen to be. Trey, that's not a compliment, by the way. It isn't? What? Playing that day that nobody will be there. And yes, this is not in Greensboro, where there may be a few somebodies there because they love basketball. This will be in Washington, D.C., where, safely to say, nobody is probably going to be at these games. So, that's what you're going to get. But for Virginia, it was a step in the right direction. As Tony Bennett mentioned last night, after the win. Yeah, I think so. It was a step in the right direction for sure. Um, just thought we were more ready, and obviously it helped being at home, but uh, the guys responded and got a good lift. I was so happy for Tane. Um, you know, he just works and works, and he gave us a good lift and uh, played well, and, you know, his physicality and his toughness was good, and we got to, we went a little bigger at times to help on the glass and clog up the lane defensively, so that was good to see um, that lineup as well, but it was a step, again, in the right direction, and We get to go and test it again here real soon. Tony Bennett said it twice. A step in the right direction for Virginia. Improving to 11-3 and 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 2-1 in the ACC with one of the gimme games on the schedule. Louisville, I mean, look, I don't say that even about a lot of bad teams in the ACC. And we've seen it with Virginia because Notre Dame has struggled. But Louisville, they are the definition of a gimme basketball game in ACC play. They have been atrocious under Kenny Payne, who somehow is still around. But for Virginia, they did things the way you would want to do them. Okay, you can look at the fact that they had a 20-3 to assist-to-turnover ratio. That in and of itself embodies being in control of this game. That they out-rebounded Louisville, who actually has some decent size, but they out-rebounded the Cardinals, 34-27. Don't think that'll continue against DJ Burns and NC State this coming Saturday, but hey, for one game for Virginia... You take that all with a grain of salt. It wasn't the best or the worst defensive performance. Louisville shot 40% from the field. But Virginia did a lot of what you would want to do that. And so, yes, it was a step forward. And here's more on why. I hope this was a step in trying to play the right way. You know, we play so many Saturday games away from this place. And, you know, usually you get some lively crowds. And and you just, um, you got to be steady. And that kind of gets to our pillar of humility. Know who you are and then fight like crazy to establish it and hold on to it through the ups and downs of a game, especially road games. Know who you are. Then fight like crazy to uphold that standard during games. That's where Tony Bennett's really going in terms of what Virginia showed in that victory against Louisville. Because let's look back at the NC State game. The one where Virginia fell down 13 to nothing right off the bat. And yes, they trimmed it to a marginal deficit at one point, 41-33. 
But really, they were down 41-24 at halftime, 17-point deficit, which was not very impressive, obviously. They out-rebounded. Notre Dame did. Virginia, 40-27. to And yes, Virginia does not have a lot of size download. That's been well-documented and exploited numerous times throughout the year. But you make up for that with the level of grit and toughness that Tony Bennett mentioned the Louisville game showed, namely because Virginia had not shown that in recent games, losses to Notre Dame and at Memphis, and even that victory, narrow margin as it was, against Northwestern State, stands, Northeastern, excuse me, not Northwestern State, Northeastern, different directional school, sandwiched in there. But I thought they, again, had a, a little more grit and steadiness. Um, and again, Louisville had a key guy out, and, and I understand they're struggling too, but uh, you just, you know, you got to get ready. And I thought we tightened things up and just little adjustments in practice that got us back to how we have to play. <laughs> What comes to mind when you hear little adjustments in practice that got us back to the way we needed to play after bemoaning the team lacking grit and steadiness? I mean, look, those aren't complimentary things that you're saying about a, a, a program and a team. So I would presume this means those practices have been rather challenging, spirited, arduous, arduous for UVA. And oh, by the way, you know, and I've heard this from numerous folks, one of the staples about Virginia's practice, and it bears itself out in how they play when they're at their best defensively, is the amount of foot motion and movement they have moving their feet to get set within the pack line defense. There is so much movement and communication and passing guys off and being, I know this is the buzzword of the last couple of years, but connected on the defensive end. But it is shown for Virginia. And I'll give Isaac McNeely credit afterwards. Yes, he's a sophomore to most people out there. Second year to those that are more particular about the verbiage used on Virginia's campus or grounds as they call it. But Isaac McNeely, I mean, look, he was as blunt as could be. By the way, I like it when people are this way because it shows extreme accountability and ownership. And for Isaac McNeely, he felt it fell on him and the players that what they did against Notre Dame was on them and had a lot to do with effort or lack thereof, continuing a stretch of bad effort performances. I think we just weren't giving you know, max effort. We weren't playing together on both ends, but I thought tonight we played well together on both ends. You know, We were clicking on offense, of course, but I thought our defense had really good stretches as well. And we're, when we're you know, really good on both ends, I think we're really hard to beat, so we need to strive to do that every night. Isaac McNeely, you know, just giving effort, and it's amazing how that translates into what you do. And you know, he said it more bluntly, but Tony Bennett – Basically back that comment up because uh, in in watching this victory for Virginia last night, 77-53 against Louisville, it's not the statistics that really matter that much. It's not even the fact that they they blew out Louisville because, uh, I mean, again, plenty of teams do that. It's more the fact that, and, and you can tell if you watch the game as a coach, certainly, but even as a fan, it does look like, or did last night, look like Virginia did something they did not do against Notre Dame, that game that I was watching at the beginning of my flight down to Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl. More on that in just a couple of moments here in the fast lane, as well as John Manson from CFRed.com around 5.30, and then some of your feedback around 5.50. But the idea of playing with a purpose. I got some, you know, I got some offensive rebounds. I thought Jake did a really nice job on, um, on the glass, and we've been struggling with that. But um, there's just a good mix, and guys handled the ball, and they had purpose, and... Um, 
you know, took what the defense gave us. Sometimes they switched against us, played a little zone, but thought we did a decent job of recognizing and um, everybody contributed well. And we left some buckets out there. Some, you know, we'll keep hopefully getting better at our finishing, but I thought we got good looks. Left some buckets out there. You know, if you're Coach Tony Bennett, I mean, especially given that you mentioned it, Isaac McNeely uttered it after the game as well. I mean, heck yeah, I'm going to be sitting out there saying that we left buckets out there. Of course, you're going to use the proverbial dangling of the carrot out there of incentives for getting better. I mean, what what has this Virginia team shown, especially on the road, where they've gotten destroyed at Notre Dame, beaten handily at Memphis, and even the neutral site game down in Florida against Wisconsin, they've been an, an absolute disaster away from John Paul Jones Arena this year, the Virginia Cavaliers have, for the majority of of those games. And I know they won against West Virginia in a neutral site, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this is, as you've heard from West Virginia getting upset by Radford on the VTR and Roanoke app, since we carry all Radford Highlanders games, this is not a great year for West Virginia, given the last second switch out of Bob Huggins as their head coach. So even that doesn't count for much for Virginia, having had that victory. But you're playing with purpose, you're playing with intensity, you're showing something against Louisville that at least says it's there. And when you add that to what players said for Virginia, particularly Isaac McNeely, noting what he said last night, it means it's reasonable as a fan to at least hold Virginia to that level of expectation. And if you're a player and coach, certainly to hold yourselves to that level of expectation as well. That the offense may not be there every evening. That you are at a size disadvantage. But you can still be aggressive in crashing the boards. Controlling the flow of the game. Clogging the lanes, which is a staple of that pack line defense that Virginia plays being deliberate in passing and looking for the best shot in part because it fits what your offense does but in part because yes it slows down the game and minimizes possessions all of which can benefit a team like Virginia so it's there like that's part of the reason why I think this is different in terms of holding Virginia to a standard versus what they showed the last couple of years even two years ago, people have compared this to Virginia's team two years ago that missed the NCAA tournament. First of all, this team's 10-3, and three, so that, that's a little bit ridiculous. This this Virginia team is more than capable of going, and there are still wins going in the, for, in the future. While they have bad losses on their schedule, Memphis won. That'll probably age fairly well. Um, as they're a tournament-caliber team, so is Wisconsin. The Notre Dame loss does not look good, and it certainly exposed a lot of issues for Virginia, and I think they'll have more losses like this in ACC play. But it's not such a bad team where, I mean, remember, two years ago, Virginia lost to Navy, to JMU, not the top 25 JMU Dukes team that is more than worthy of being an NCAA tournament team. This was two years ago, so they were not quite on that particular level that Mark Byington has them playing up in Harrisonburg. So that's where the criticism of Virginia needs to be put into perspective for as much as anything else goes. And yes, some of it is what they're doing defensively, some of it's offensively, but when things aren't clicking on the offensive end and the shots aren't going in, you can at least control the effort that you put in on the defensive end. Just like if things aren't clicking the way that you would want, then the easy solution to that is to click on the great deals at InsaneRadioDeals.com. I believe it's now up, by the way, Rivermont Pizza gift certificates at InsaneRadioDeals.com. There may be one or two left, but that's it. Yamada Japanese Barbecue gift cards. Grab it before it's gone. And oh yes, we know about New Year's resolutions, which is why Crosswide Athletic Club individual, couples, or family three-month memberships are perfect and on sale still over 50 percent off 
at InsaneRadioDeals.com. By the way, Fleet Feet gift cards, Fleet Feet Roanoke, you can actually use those anywhere you want by shopping FleetFeet.com. So grab a gift card or two to make sure you're properly equipped for your news resolutions at Crosswhite Athletic Club. All thanks to InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, more on the Liberty Flames, because another day goes by and another player enters the transfer portal. Um, Tuesday, it was cornerback cornerback Kobe Singleton and quarterback Caden Salter. Yesterday, it was defensive tackle Kennedy Charles reaffirming what he had already said, which is his intent is to transfer out of Liberty and find a different home. And then today, one that we thought could come down yesterday, as the deadline was kind of right there, but C.J. Daniels, the wide receiver from Liberty, also entering the transfer portal. None of those shock me in a nutshell, but it is interesting to just go back and look at the Fiesta Bowl comments from guys like Caden Salter and Tyron Dupree and that even head coach Jamie Chabwell about the Liberty Flames. And it can provide some context more than anything, which is how we get a chance to yeah, have a little tongue-in-cheek fun at this and what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. Uh, let's be honest. The cliches and coach speak thing has been a reality in sports for years. And it's called coach speak, but it might as well just be called entertainer speak. Because players are as adapted to anything and have been coached on how to handle situations in the media. Here's the thing. Caden Salter leaves the field to a resounding applause after the Flames lost 45-6 to Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. And at that time, very few folks in the fan community, at least, had an inkling that it might be Caden Salter's last game in a Liberty Flames uniform. So he detailed, when I happened to be the one who asked him, about what that applause meant to him. And yes, people have chimed in with their thoughts at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll get to those in a bit. But here's what Caden Salter had to say about the support that was shown to him when he left the field. I mean, it just shows how much love that the, our fans uh, mean to us. And, I mean, they love us, win or lose. And that just showed right there, just walking off the field, hearing my name and all the screams, knowing that we just lost, that just that, that brought me more cheer to me. I mean, I, I never had my head down after the game. I knew that our team did everything we can do to go out there and try to win this game. So... I had no reason to walk off the field with my head down and walking off the field just hearing the crowd yell my name and give me the cheers and the praise. I mean, that, that felt amazing, but still, I just, I just wish we could have finished this season better, and, and that's that. Yes, sir. I, I don't doubt the genuineness at all of Caden Salter. Now, the we part when, let's be honest, Tuesday afternoon, about, an hour, about a day, about 24 hours, after the Flames have been beat by Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl, Caden Salter announced he's entering the transfer portal. Look, I take these decisions of players announcing the transfer portal route similar to the decisions that I take when players quickly declare for the NFL draft or in basketball's case, the NBA draft after they have lost their final game of the season, whenever that may end up coming or in the bowl game case, maybe you've won the game, but after they played their final game of the season. 
these decisions, by and large, have been made over a period of time. Heck, the nature of the bowl schedule for football. Think of it for Liberty st- from Liberty's stance. Literally one month. Friday, December 1st, all the way to Monday, January 1st. The Liberty Flames had literally one month between their last game of the regular season, or if you want to call it that, the Conference USA Championship game, and the bowl game. Look, that's a lot of time to gather information, to prepare, to read the market. Let's be honest, that's what's going on with players like Caden Salter and others who've entered the transfer portal. Because if you look at the positions that have been impacted most by Liberty, uh, let's be honest here. They've been high-demand positions. It's called market economics. That, that's really what you need to look at and you need to realize. If you're at all concerned about you know, who's in the, who is leaving Liberty at this juncture, because the market economics show that quarterbacks, pass catchers, people who defend those pass catchers, and the linemen, either the ones who go after the quarterback or the ones who protect the quarterback, they're in the highest demand. It's hard to find accurate quarterbacks that are out there, good skilled quarterbacks. And it's also hard to find six foot three, 310 pound dancing bears who can move like that. There may be some folks that are out there that are six three, 300 pounds, but they may not be as athletically gifted as the guys who are in college football. There's only a handful of them. So that's why the value is high. And the ability to catch the ball well or defend those, that's the case. Look, I have had numerous people who mentioned this before, so you're naive if you don't think about this. But look back to the last year. Daniel Jeremiah, the respected NFL draft analyst for the NFL Network, he and Bucky Brooks, they've got the podcast Move the Sticks, and they were talking about this one time, how there was a coach that interviewed for a job going from Group of Five to Power Five, much like players, like former Liberty players, Caden Salter, CJ Daniels, and others, maybe making that same G5 to P5 jump. And the coach went to the Power 5 program and saw that they had one of his current players on the board, on the board of targets and guys they expected to come. And he goes back and they talk about the player and the player's like, yeah, that's not happening. And then 24 to 40 hours later, it was happening. So again, I don't have behind the scenes knowledge about what's happened with Liberty and what players may or may not have been told you know, I've been told by folks, I don't know how reliable this is, but take it for what it's worth, that you know, Jamie Chadwell actually had discussions with a lot of players at the end of the regular season about what their next steps would be. That is not uncommon for college football programs, for coaches to want to get a gauge on this. And, you know, again, I don't know whether guys like Caden Salter or CJ Daniels or you know other Liberty players who've entered the portal said, hey, here's the deal, I'm planning to enter the transfer portal. Or, hey, I've been offered X amount of money by insert your school here. Because whether they're officially in the portal or not, that information can get out and get around. But that is part of it. And yes, it's not technically legal in terms of the NCAA structure. But when nobody's there to enforce it, you know what, what law is there that, that, that really takes that much severity if nobody's enforcing it and punishing any school for supposed tampering? Look, this stuff is happening across the board in college athletics, whether you want to believe it or not. If anything, I'm a Liberty fan. Come in, these guys. Okay, yes, Caden Salter talking about what the fans' support meant when he left the field, and then 24 hours later, he's in the transfer portal when all indications are he was going to go to the transfer portal regardless of the outcome. Um, There's some people that view that as disingenuous. Look, if anything, I'll give the kid credit. You know, the money was not going to change whether Caden Salter played in this bowl or not. If anything, he could have hurt himself in the game and hurt his chance to make more money. 
but he played. Kennedy Charles, who had already announced he was transferring, played for Liberty. C.J. Daniels elected to play in this game. And if you look at the timing of their departures, all of those guys, throw Kobe Singleton in there as well, they could easily have opted out of this particular bowl game and preserved what NIL value they have. Because here's the other part to this. You're getting more money at the college level than you are at the pro level in a lot of cases. For a guy like Caden Salter, I mean, look, this is not to disparage what he did for Liberty. He was Conference USA Player of the Year. He was a major reason why Liberty was able to have success in year one of Jamie Chadwell. But, I mean, I've seen him numerous times at games and at press conferences. He's not the most thickly built quarterback that's out there. He's tall, 6'1". He places a beautiful ball, and he's extremely athletic. How's he going to add 20? How's he going to handle adding 20-ish pounds, 25 to 30 pounds, to get to the league and be able to hold up? That's a real challenge. Is he even qualified for that? Based on, you know, just finally starting to mature this past year, and let's remember, he was a four-star player at Tennessee who bounced back by going down to Liberty University for a couple of years to get himself ready to potentially go somewhere else. Look, there were maturity questions that were there, and, and he did a phenomenal job, Salter did, answering those questions this year. He's absolutely commended for that. But the NFL is going to do their due diligence and digging on that. And they're going to judge much more harshly than a college program is because while college programs can pay, pay guys seven figures for quarterbacks, um, Trey, last I checked, NFL franchises, they pay eight figures for quarterbacks. A lot more, yeah. Yes. It is still more lucrative to be a quarterback at the NFL, even a backup in most cases, because outside of rookie first contract backups, experienced veteran backups, you're still getting 10 to $20 million a year. There, there are no colleges that are offering that out there for players. And a lot of their goal is similarly to get to the NFL so they can get to the second contract wherever it is. Look, I think there's a limited ceiling for Caden Salter going to the league, and there's no determination he's even going to make it. So I completely understand it from a business standpoint. It stinks for Liberty, but here's the one point, and again, we can elaborate on this more, but this is why you pay a guy like Jamie Chadwell $4 million per year to be your head coach. You pay him that money, and you compensate his assistants. Because you pay those guys to be able to say, hey, look, we're going to be the best developmental program. We're going to take guys that were not properly developed because they maybe didn't get the attention or they weren't quite ready to contribute or maybe they were even overvalued by a Power 5 program and they're transferring out and want to come down and get better. You're paying your coaching staff to be able to do a good job of that. And Liberty, as much as their NIL can't compete with SEC, Big Ten, Miami Hurricanes, Florida State Seminoles, you know, insert your program that will pay up for NIL... Virginia Tech even, they're doing a great job, relatively speaking, of paying for NIL. Look at who all they retained and brought in this past offseason. While, while Liberty is not on that level, they're still ahead of a lot of G5 programs and can get a lot of those bounce backs and will still be able to perform. And that's why the most important hires for Liberty have not been players that they've bought through the transfer portal or compensated in some form for NIL. It's there. It's necessary. If you're a Flames fan, you probably should donate to the Flames Rising Collective because having that is a carrot. But the biggest advantage still for a staff like Liberty is having a coaching staff that's on the cutting edge of being able to develop that talent and identify talent and understand ahead of time. Look, if you're Jamie Chabell, you're doing your job right by asking players and getting the tempo of the room on whether they'll transfer or not so that you can have your backup plans in place. That's where honest communication comes in. It's the behind-the-scenes look. It doesn't have to be that adversarial. I get it if you're a fan. Guys like Salter, C.J. Daniels, Kennedy Charles, and others have brought a lot of great memories. They played their hearts out for Liberty. 
but I don't fault any of them for going and making a smart business decision in an era where everybody is doing that regularly. So the Caden Salter idea being disingenuous when he left the field after the Fiesta Bowl, I think, yeah, he knew he was going to leave Liberty, but there were plenty of opportunities to bail in that particular case as well. And for Liberty, well, it's hard to find a four-star caliber quarterback for the third consecutive QB at Liberty because Malik Willis was a four-star than Caden Salter was. It's not uncommon that Liberty couldn't get a guy like that. And they're still in a spot to be able to get someone of some level of talent to be able to contribute for Liberty. And oh, by the way, they've got a system in place that can often mitigate that as based on what a quarterback is asked to do. And you know, I think that's another part to this, why Caden Salter probably did want to leave, is the chance to show he can do more or do what he's doing against a higher level of competition because of how friendly the Chadwell system is for players and offensive players and quarterbacks and why it was so easy to get a lot of those guys to perform at a high level if they just bought in this year. Well, if anything, that's the one saving grace for Liberty because that's not going anywhere right now. You've got that with Jamie Chadwell as long as he's here and you got a chance to upgrade the defense. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic if you're a Liberty fan. I get the frustration. I get the understanding, but accept that this is the reality of where you are and that you're still uniquely positioned compared to a lot of schools of your caliber to have a chance to make the college football playoff and still be a regular winning team year in and year out. How's that perspective make sense for John Manson of a CFRed.com? He will share his thoughts when we return here in the fast lane, and we'll get to some of your feedback as well around 550 today. All of that's still to come on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.